But way to be a good sport this Sunday and, uh, and join us. And look, everybody that's worshiping online right now are like, man, I'm, I'm doing good in my cozy living room. Uh, and come on, let's just welcome and honor everybody online today. Thank you for joining us, for worshiping with us. It means a lot to us that you're... We're a church in multiple locations. I was seeing different people pop up on the stream from Hawaii and the Philippines and people just leaning in from different parts of our city. And we're honored that you're with us worshiping and experiencing church live right this moment at 1121. And I'm so glad that you're here as well. My name's Hayden, the senior pastor here at Walk Church. This is my amazing wife here, Nina. And we want to, you got your own clap, baby. Um, and we just want to honor you and welcome you to church today. Today we're kicking off a brand new series called The Songs of Christmas. Songs of Christmas. And I don't know about you, but I love Christmas songs. And if you don't like Christmas songs, we're going to have a moment after our service called Repentance. And you can go come to know the Lord and get that right. Um, no, I'm just joking. But let me just hear some of your favorite Christmas songs. Anybody just want to shoot, shoot a couple off that are on the top of your head right now? Noel, yeah, good job, yep, good. someone was listening there. I love the song Noel, which means the Savior is born, it's Christmas. What else? Who else got one? What you got, Liz? Joy to the world, he's come, amen? That's right. Anybody else got a different one? What you got? Silent night, amen, that's a good one right there. I was curious if anybody was going to say like grandma got ran over by a reindeer or, you know, there was like a, a youngster in the this earlier service that said, jingle bells, right? And there's all these different Christmas songs that we know of and we, we sing and we lean into. And I think they're worthy uh, to, to celebrate this Savior called Christ. But what I like to do is I like to point our attention back to the Bible where we see Christmas music come to life and the first ever Christmas songs ever recorded. I was actually uh, looking at the, the most popular, downloaded, streamed Christmas song of all time, and it's actually this song called White Christmas, right? Maybe you guys are familiar with it by Bing Crosby. Let's sing it together. I'm dreaming of... Nah, come on. Don't, don't let me down. Don't make me... Teddy, you liked it? All right, all right. That was all y'all gonna get. That was it right there. Just, just pick songs that you could go as low as you can, and you'll sound all right. Um, but I want to introduce you guys uh, all to a song that we find in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, and it's written and authored by a man of God in the Bible named Zechariah. And so if you, want, if you would turn with me right now to Luke chapter 1, we're going to pick it up in verse 67. We're going to read the entire song, and I believe the Lord would speak to us and encourage us through it. So if you're ready, say ready. If you're hungry, say, let's eat, let's eat. Look at the person next to you and say, let's eat, let's eat, let's eat. Father God, as we get ready to eat from your word today, God, help us with our appetite Help us with our focus. God, don't allow us to be distracted. Just like Christina prayed, God, help us to be locked into this moment, a distraction-free moment so we can hear your word and experience freedom. God, let this song be music to our soul. God, I pray we would leave today more excited about Jesus, more hungry for God, more encouraged and inspired by him. Talk, talk to us now, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Verse 67 says, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he has spoke to us by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. 
that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Can I get an amen? He continues, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and in righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. This is a song that Zechariah wrote, and I want to talk to you a little bit about this character, Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth. We, we find them first as an older married couple in Luke chapter 1, in a season of life where there has been a lot of silence. Here's what I mean by that. If you read your Bible, you'll start in Genesis, and you'll make your way to the end of the Old Testament, the left side of your Bible, at a book called Malachi, or as the Italians call it, Malachi, all right? No, no laughs over there. Right, anyway. Let's make sure y'all are listening, all right? You like that one, Danny? Malachi? All right, let's keep going. Um, and at the end of that book, you'll see that there's this promise that is pointing to a coming Messiah, a coming Savior. He is on the way. He's, he's coming, right? And that's where the book ends. And now I'm sure that there was a lot of believers in that moment in Israel saying, okay, this Messiah is going to come. Is it today? Is it tomorrow? Is it next year? Is it the following year? And what happens is there's a 500-year gap where God speaks from his people. Right? God hasn't delivered a word in, in many centuries, It's been a 500-year gap since there's been a visitation from the Lord. There hasn't been an angel. There hasn't been a prophet. There hasn't been a a moment where God has delivered some type of message in a miraculous way. There hasn't been an animal. There hasn't been anything in 500 years where God has made himself visibly clear in that moment. But here we pick it up in Luke chapter 1 and we see a moment. Every year up until that point, there'd be a moment where the priests in Israel would gather together, they would draw lots, and then out of the division of the specific area, one man would get to go inside the temple in Jerusalem and offer an incense and pray for the people. It was kind of a boring task, but if you got selected, it was like your 15 minutes of fame. Does that make sense? I know I'm giving you all this Bible knowledge and historical knowledge, but maybe it'll help set the stage. Right? And so if you got picked, if you were a priest in your city, if you got picked, it was a big deal. You got to go inside the temple into a holy court and then light an incense, offer a prayer for the people, ask for the Messiah to come save, and then you leave, and that was your moment. Well, it just so happens this man named Zechariah, he got chosen by the lot. It was his moment to go in and pray, and everybody's like, yo, Zechariah, this is awesome. He's older in age. He's married to a lady named Elizabeth. They never had a baby, but the text would tell us they once prayed that they were able to have a baby, but her womb was barren. Zechariah enters into the court area. He grabs his incense, he lights it, and he begins to pray. We don't know exactly what he prayed for. Maybe he prayed in faith at that moment, God, I know my wife's super old, but maybe you still give us another moment to have a baby. He may have prayed that. Maybe he just prayed a generic prayer over the people in Israel. Maybe he prayed for the coming Messiah, but what happens in that moment is miraculous. You know what happens? 
woof, an angel appears. It's the first time an angel appears in a long time. And Zechariah is literally scared to death. And the angel speaks to him and says, don't fear, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. I love that right there. Come on, amen. God hears prayers. Now, was it his prayer 20 years before? Was it his prayer right there in the moment? Was it his prayer yesterday? I don't know, but I just know that God doesn't forget our prayers. And you need to know that the prayers that you've been praying, God never forgot. And God says, your prayer has been heard, and he, and he gives him this promise. And he says, you're going to have a baby. You and your wife are going to give birth to a son, and you shall name him John. For he is going to go before the Messiah. He's going to prepare the way for the Savior. Now, this is the moment, cue the moment where Zechariah should go, hallelujah, amen, you picked me, praise the Lord, the Messiah's coming, my son is, I'm going to have a son, and he's going to lead the way, but he doesn't do that, he is much like us, and goes, I don't know, angel, I don't think you got the right, you know, we, we're old, it's probably not going to happen, and so I love how the angel has this like mute button, he's like mute, he just hit him with that, all right, look, look, you're talking too much. It's still going to happen. You're just not going to be able to speak until it happens, right? And, and some of y'all wish y'all had that mute button, right? Amen. You're just like, man, I just, but, but the angel just says, look, all right, look, it's going to happen, but you're not going to be able to talk before them because you doubt, you're not, you're not, you don't believe, but you're going to see it, right? And what happens is he goes back, he comes outside and he's like, and they're like, John, they're, they're like, Zechariah, say something. He's like, and the next thing you know, he goes back home with his wife, Elizabeth, and they find out that they conceived a baby, and she's now five months pregnant in Luke chapter 1. you got to read your Bible. This is very interesting, amen? The Bible is filled with all types of drama, all right? You need this story in your life, right? And, and Elizabeth, I'm pregnant, you know? And she, she hides it for five months, but then she can't hide it anymore, and she starts to praise the Lord and glorify God. And then it comes time for the baby to be born. And now in this culture, now I don't understand all the reasons why, but they wouldn't name the baby on the spot. The community would come together, and then they would decide on the name together. Kind of bizarre, I know, but this is how they did it. And so the baby's born, they circumcise the baby, it's on the eighth day, and the community comes together and they say, okay, we got the perfect idea for the name. Y'all should name him after Zechariah. It's like his junior would be following in his footsteps. And then Elizabeth says, no, the angel told my husband that his name shall be John. And they're like, no, his name can't be John. We don't know a John. And then all of a sudden, by faith, Zechariah, who hasn't spoken in nine months, says, his name shall be John. I just hear him saying it like that. Like it's, I hear like this Morgan Freeman, like, his name shall be John. I don't know. It's his British accent. I don't know. He actually spoke it in Hebrew. It was nothing like that at all. But he, he says this is what his name, because he believed of what the angel had told him. And so they named this baby John. It's in that moment we find verse 64. Luke chapter 1, verse 64. It says it like this. Immediately his mouth was opened. And his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. I love that right there because what he's saying is he's realized he's been blessed by God, and blessing invites blessing. Amen? Right? John has been blessed by God, and he says, What am I gonna do? I'm gonna bless God. 
Maybe the word that you needed here today is just to be reminded to bless God. I know that 2020 has been filled with all types of hoops and loops and ups and downs and all around. Let me tell you what you should do. You should bless God. The response of the church should be to bless God. The response of your life should be to bless God. We see Zechariah blessing God. And out of his blessing of God, you know what happens? Comes a song. This first song of Christmas. Here goes Zechariah. He picks up the pen and the scroll. So I got a song on my heart. We find in verse 67 and 68, this first part of the song, it says, And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel for... I want to stop right there, because this is the beginning, and here's what he's saying. This is a song about God. Amen? Come on, every Christmas song that is a legit Christmas song should be a song about God. That Christmas is primarily about him, about God. He says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he's a jolly good fellow. I mean, my bad, wrong song. For he has visited and redeemed his people. Amen. I love that right there. Christina wants to clap. I'm with you. I feel led to clap too. Because if you think about what we just came from and where this is at right now, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Why? Because he visited and redeemed his people. I love that word, visited. I mean, it's been a long time since God visited his people. A visitation from God is the key, amen? We need God to visit us here this morning at Walk Church. We need God to visit us on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, and Saturday, and Sunday, and then do it all over again, amen? A visitation from God is what we need. And praise God, it's what Zechariah got. And God visited him for the entire land, and he declared this promise. And, and here's the promise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. What's this song about, this first Christmas song? Friends, here's, this song is about a redeemer. Amen? This is a song about redemption. This first Christmas song, my friends, why it should be good news for us is this is a song of redemption. And I didn't hear an amen, which maybe signifies to me that you don't know what it means to be redeemed. But let me help you understand the concept of redeem. Let me give you a few definitions. The word redeem, it's a verb. By definition, it means to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for a payment. Do you catch it? Did you get it? Here's what Zechariah is prophetically declaring in the first line of his song. He's saying, oh man, God has visited his people and he's going to regain his people. He's going to actually buy us back. Have you ever thought about God as the one who buys us back? I I can imagine, because this is my story too, that maybe today there's something holding on to you that is holding possession of you. It could be the world. It could be lust. It could be pride. It could be money. Maybe your bank account is holding on to you. Maybe sexual sin is holding on to you. Maybe dreams that never came true is holding on to you. Maybe all the things you didn't get this year is holding on to you. And what God is telling us in this text and in this song, he says, I want to buy you back. I want to hold on to you. Amen. I want to redeem you. I want to redeem your life. I want to redeem your purpose. This is a Christmas song about redemption. It's a big deal. 
Because this song easily could have said, the Lord God has visited us to reject us. In fact, that's what it should say, amen? All of us has fallen short. All of us has missed God's target. Imagine a big bullseye that says God's glory. At some point, we missed the target. And because of that, we have been separated from God, but our God says, I know, and I want to buy you back. I want to rescue you. A good challenge this Christmas would maybe be to read the book Hosea. Hosea is a book in the Bible. This wouldn't be your typical read on Christmas, but maybe this could be the year you start. Hosea is all about a metaphorical, prophetic book talking about what's happening at Christmas. You find this man, he is a husband, he marries his wife, Gomer. Shout out to all the Gomers in the room or online, right? And uh, that's her name, and she is his wife, and then she leaves her husband and goes and prostitutes herself to a variety of different people from all different backgrounds, and God speaks to her husband, and you know what God speaks to him? Go buy her back. Oh my goodness. The radicalness of the grace of God, and this is the same language used in this Christmas song, that God has redeemed us. I'm thankful that we have a redeemer in Christ, and that's why we're singing today. And if you've been redeemed, you know what it feels like to be in one place and then to be bought and purchased back by the blood of Jesus to be in a new place, a new family. Not only, amen, yeah, we can clap for that. I'm thankful for the redemption. I'm thankful that there's been a lot of things that I don't have, but I do have redemption. And that we can share that together in, in, in the gospel. We move from there into verse 69. It says, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in, this, in his house as servant of David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. I love this text right here, and there's a few words I want to highlight for us. He has raised up a horn of salvation. This phrase, horn of salvation, would be a biblical phrase that would be specific to animals. Maybe you would see an animal, especially in this culture, and that the, the horns of the animal, whether it be the deer or the buck or the different types of animals in the culture, the, the horns would symbolize the beauty and power of the animal. And now this language is being taken and applied to God, that he has raised up a horn of salvation. The most powerful, beautiful part about God is this phrase, salvation. This is a song about redemption, my friends, but this is also a song about salvation. I love Christmas songs about salvation because they remind us that we need to be saved. I need to be saved. You, you need to be saved. Friends, we can be saved. We have a Savior. You might come to church every week and say, man, I keep hearing the same message. We need to keep hearing it. <laughs> we have a Savior. Amen? And He can save. I love this definition for the phrase salvation from dictionary.com. The act of saving or protecting from harm, risk, loss, destruction. That when we look at the Christmas story, we see Jesus on an action-packed journey to save us. What's he saving us from? Well, he's saving us from harm, risk, loss, or destruction. The, the reality is, and if you miss this, you won't appreciate Christmas. It'll be another Christmas that's boring and more about cookies and other stuff 
that don't need to be the primary priority of your affection. Here, here's what it says. It says that you and I, let me see everybody's eyes. I want you to catch this. If you don't get anything else, get this. You and I are on a, are, are, are on, are on a roller coaster journey called life that ends in a place called hell. This is the final stop. It's a, it's a journey to destruction. You might have all the goodies that this life can offer, but it ends in eternity apart from God, and it will never end. But, but, come on, everybody say it with me, but, online, but, all right, but we have a God who says, hold up, I'm throwing in a flag. What's on the flag? Salvation. He's saying, I'm sending my son who's going to be born of a virgin and he's going to intercept your road to hell and he's going to change it. He's going to do a block. He's going to transfer it to heaven. If you would receive him, if you would believe in him, it's going to cost him everything to buy you back. I love this reality statement. Let me give you just a reality statement that you can hold on to. The Christmas story teaches us that God doesn't visit us to reject us, rather that God visits us to redeem us. When we are redeemed, we experience salvation. The, the, the feeling of being saved, the feeling of, you know what, I, I no longer am at risk of eternity, I'm actually saved for eternity. I love how Max Lucado says it. He says, Though the Bible was written over 16 centuries by at least 40 authors, it has one central theme, salvation through faith in Christ. If you read this book and you start in Genesis, and you go into Exodus, and you go into Leviticus, and you go into Numbers, and you go into Deuteronomy, and you make it to 1 Samuel, and you go into the Chronicles, and you go into the Judges, and you go into the Malachi's, and you go into Matthew, and you go into Luke, and you go all the way to Revelation, you'll find this thread weaving its way through each book, and here it is. Christ is giving salvation. That thread has to make it to you. Amen? It's got to be the theme of your life. When that thread that, that this song is singing about makes it into your heart, you're different. Amen. It moves you to worship. It moves you to lift your hands. It moves you to take a step. It moves you to say, sin, you don't have any grip on me anymore. I got a new calling. I got a new destiny. I'm saved. I think what this world needs is more people passionate about being saved. How attractional is a Christianity that doesn't move you? You look like everybody else with a little Jesus sprinkled on top. That's not going to win anybody. That's not going to win yourself. Wow. Zechariah is moved because a Savior is on the way. And his son is actually going to point to him. I love how Rick Warren says it. Through salvation, our past has been forgiven. Amen? Our present is given meaning. Amen? Our future is secured, amen, right? I love that phrase right there. He's saying, through salvation, this song is about salvation, church. Through salvation, our past, all that behind me, it's a whole lot. It's been forgiven. Oh, man, this is good. Our present, which once didn't have a meaning, you were once a zombie from the show Walking Dead, right? You were just moving through life, 
eating, sleeping, wasting it all away without meaning. Now that you've tasted salvation, you have a meaning. One of your meanings is to start sharing this meaning with others. You got the cure. You got, that's why the gospel means good news. The phrase Noel means good news. We have a Savior. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people that need some good news right now. But you never appreciate the good news unless you understand the bad news. Right? So, for example, you were to go into a doctor's office and they would tell you all this bad news, like, like you're going to die, but I got the medicine. You're going to be like, yes, give me that. And we need to encourage people that, hey, listen, it's not going to end well, but we have a Savior. That's why we celebrate Christmas. It's in the music. It's in the music, amen? Let me keep uh, maneuvering through this text because there's so much fruit in here. Verse 72 says, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. What was this holy covenant? This holy covenant was one day the seed of Eve would grow up and stomp the head of the serpent. Genesis 3.15. And that happens and it's happening. It's holy covenant between God and man. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. It's even going to include Las Vegas. To grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Friends, this is a song about salvation. This is a song about redemption. And I don't know if you caught it, but this is a song about deliverance. Right? This is a song about deliverance. And all of us, in one way or another, we need to taste deliverance. We need to feel deliverance. As we look back at that text, I want to highlight that phrase. That we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. I love that our God is into deliverance ministry. We need him to be, amen? Some of us need to be delivered from drugs. Some of us need to be delivered from anxiety. Some of us need to be delivered from loneliness. Some of us need to be delivered from insecurities. Some of us need to be delivered from addictions. Some of us need to be delivered from sports idolatry, right? All of us have, have, have needs for deliverance. And praise God, we have a deliverer. Amen? Like, I'm excited about that, Bashan. Like, I need a deliverer. Like, oh, man, I don't know if you're ready for me. Why? Because I need a deliverer. Oh, well, you need Jesus then because that's what he does. He, he's a deliverer. He delivers us from the hand of our enemies, right? He del- oh, we got a lot of enemies, right? Now, in this culture, it may have looked like Herod and the Romans and Jews that were persecuting Christians and just different things like that. But our enemies come in the form of calories sometimes. And our, our enemies come in the form of materialistic things and social media comparisons and all types of things. Whatever it is, you can insert it into that blank and just know that we have a deliverer. We have a deliverer. I love this definition for deliverance. It comes from the Oxford Pocket Dictionary. The action of being rescued or set free. What's Christmas all about? It's about God sending Christ to rescue and set us free. Be in awe and amazed of Christmas again. Why? Because he wants to set us free. He wants to rescue his children and set us free and deliver us. And 
And I love how deliverance doesn't just stop there like that's the lid. Okay, I'm delivered and now I don't have a purpose. But actually deliverance leads to something. In the text we see in verse 74 that deliverance, it leads to diligence, right? That we might be delivered from the hand of our enemies and that we might serve him without fear. I love how that, that delivering leads to serving. If you look in the book of Exodus, when God delivers his people from Pharaoh, what does he say? He says, let my people go so that they would, I mean, y'all got to read your Bibles again, right? Serve me, right? Deliverance leads to serving. God wants to give you a purpose. God wants to give you a place. God wants to give you a space. That when you're delivered, you all of a sudden get, get something. You get something with your deliverance. You got something to give now. You can serve now. You can be a servant on the team. And, and when you're serving, you're most like Jesus. Because Jesus said, I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I love songs about deliverance and how you can experience that deliverance as well. And not only can you experience his deliverance, but this text tells us that we can experience it without fear. So today, maybe you're in here today and you got fear of the future, fear of what it, you, maybe you have this type of fear, like if I really become a Christian, I mean, not like a fake phony Christian that just is a Christian by a checkbox, you're a nominal Christian, which is no Christian at all. But you're saying, I'm a, I'm a real, blood-bought, spirit-filled, repentant follower of Christ I'm, I'm that. Maybe you're that and you're in fear of what that's going to mean and look like. What I'm trying to encourage you with is once you experience God's deliverance, you don't have to have any fear anymore. You don't have to fear what other people think. You don't have to fear what, you're, what, what people might say. In fact, the only one person we're called to fear is God, amen? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And you can start serving and living your calling and enjoying Christmas without fear. I love this song right here. Zechariah's song is underplayed. He needs more streams, amen? This bro, I want to talk to him when I get to heaven and be like, yo, Zechariah, you had a hit song for me. Like, I need, I need to read this more. Let me move into our last and final point. Verse 76 and 77, the closing refrain of the song. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. That's a pretty cool title. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. I love this first part in 76 and 77 because what this does is it sets the tone for correct expectations for the parents and correct expectations for the son. In other words, here's, here's the reality. Hey, Zechariah and Elizabeth, your son is not going to be the main point of attention. And hey, John, you're not going to be the main focus either. It's going to be about Jesus. In other words, hey, Zechariah is singing about himself. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. So John isn't the main point of the song. John is the pointer in the song. He's pointing to the Most High. He's pointing to the one who will follow. I love how John even lived this out in his own life. If you see John the Baptist, this little baby right here, he grows up. He has all these disciples follow him in the wilderness until Jesus shows up and all the disciples leave John. and They go follow Jesus and then John goes, this is why I came. 
He must increase. I must decrease. Right? But isn't that all of our callings? I just say that because I really, I'm really a believer that everybody, that there's so many people that think that they're the main point of everything. And, and like this whole world revolves around you. And the moment you get to see, dang, it's not even all about me, is when you'll experience freedom. Like you're, you came here to be encouraged, but this, this is in the form of the encouragement. You're a speck. You're like a little baby glitter size, little red sprinkle from a Starbucks drink, like size person in America, not even like God looks at the, 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 the planets and their, their specks, right? And then there's you and you're, it's not all about you. Parents, it's not all about your children, he says, look, John, you're not even going to be the all-star on the team. And it's okay. Jesus is. And the sooner we can rush to get there, amen, the sooner we can realize, you know what, it's not all about me. It's not even all about the person next to me. It's not even all about my dreams and goals and wishes. My life is temporary. James says it's like a vapor. i got to just maximize it while I can for Christ. You'll realize, man, I, this is why I'm here. And I feel like such, so much less pressure to perform. I think the pressure to perform is killing us. The pressure to have more likes and more retweets and more comments and to have the new this and new that is hurting us when it's never been about us. And if you can find your content spirit in Christ, you're going to win this Christmas. He goes on to say, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, I love that, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. As we close right now, this, will be the, this is the final lyrics of the song, and we'll, we'll go ahead and close with a song of worship ourselves. I want us to see that the, first, the fourth thing we learn about this song is, is that this is a song about providence. That this is a song about redemption, salvation, deliverance, and God's providence. I know that that's a big word, but what does this word providence mean? Let me give you a couple definitions of the word providence before we close. Providence is the foreseeing care and guidance of God. In fact, I'm going to just scratch out the or nature over the creatures of the earth. Because the nature can't save you. Can I get an amen from somebody? I know that this might be offensive to somebody, but I need to offend you for a moment. Nature can't save you. Trees can't save you. The ocean can't save you. The energy in the world can't save you. There's no such thing as reincarnation. Karma can't save you. In fact, karma is not even a real thing. Like, who controls karma? You're actually talking about God without naming him, right? The foreseeing care and guidance of God is what providence is. God in his providence foresaw you and said, I love you. I care for you. I'm sending my son on a rescue mission agency for you. I want you back. I want to deliver you and redeem you and rescue you. I want you in my family. The protective care of God or of nature as a spiritual power. Nature is not a spiritual power. 
This Holy Spirit is a spirit of power. Amen? Right? This is lowercase s stuff. Providence is the protective care of God. Providence is God saying, look, I want to protect you. I want to walk with you. I want to talk to you. I want to be with you. I want us to do this thing together. Divine guidance or care. Who would have thought that this divine God would care about simple us? I'm sorry, sinful us. He does. Not only does God care about us. I love this lyric of the song. The text tells us that God finds us in our darkness and sits with us. Wow. I mean, let's look at it together. Because of the tender mercy of our God, do not see God in heaven as some old white dude with a Thor hammer looking to just smash somebody. That's not God. That's a figment of your imagination that's false. In fact, God is in heaven with tender mercy. He loves you. He wants to visit you and give light to those who sit in darkness. Maybe you feel like you've been in darkness. You've been sitting in darkness. 2020 has been a year of darkness. And I love that this song reminds us that God says, can I come sit in there too? And can I lighten it up a little bit? If you invite Jesus into your life, he wants to lighten up your life. You might say, well, I already did that many years ago. Well, invite him in again. It's not that you have to get resaved. It's that you got to just be reintroduced to the light. <laughs> he wants to light it up every day. Every day make that your prayer. When you, get, when you wake up, Jesus, light me up today. Sit in my darkness and bring light into my life. Bring light into my season. What about my shadows, God? I want to light those up too. In the shadow of death, God says, I want to light that up too. I want to guide your feet into the way of peace. This is the prophecy of Christmas. That God brings providence into our lives. So wherever you're at today, God can turn it around. Amen? Whatever darkness you're sitting in today that nobody else knows about, check this out. He knows. And he would love to join you in your darkness and bring light into that space. His blood is sufficient for your sins. We have a Savior who was born, who lived, who died, who rose, who's coming again. And today would be a great day to get right with him and acknowledge him for who he is. I want to pray for us, and then we'll sing. God, thank you that Emmanuel means God with us. And not only is he with us, but he's for us. And God, thank you that you sit with us in our darkness and you lift us up with the light. So Jesus, if there's anybody in the room right now that just needs to be comforted by your love, comforted by your grace, comforted by your mercy, I pray they'd feel that. They'd feel it. They'd sense your nearness. 
They'd sense your presence. They'd sense your power. God, I pray that would be the, 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 the case for today. Each one of us has some type of darkness in our lives. God, jump into it. Bring light to our lives. That's Christmas. If you're here today or if you're watching online and you don't know Jesus, right now, invite him into your life. Just say, Jesus, Jesus, save me. I repent of my sins. I turn away from them. Save me. I want to be new again. Save me. I want to be free. Save me. My sin is too much for me to take care of. Take it away from me. Deliver me. Save me. Provide for me. Redeem me. All the things that you promised in this song, do it for me, God. By your tender mercy. That the light of the world would step down into our darkness. Be the light of my world, God. Be the light of my world. Come on, would you just pray that with me right now? Just say, Jesus. Come on, if you want to pray it out loud, join me. Just say, Jesus. Be the light of my world. Come on, one more time. Jesus, be the light of my world. God, I know you're the light of our world, but God, we want to make it personal today. Be the light of my world. Have your way. Light up my family. Light up my dorm room. Light up my apartment. Light up my home. Light up my dreams. Light up my... my, Light me up, God. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Somebody's making some decisions today that will set the course for the rest of your life. And I felt God in that moment of prayer put a verse on my heart. I want to read it. We might have it on the screen, but it's Proverbs 24, verse 16. And it simply says this. It says, the righteous falls seven times and rises again. The wicked stumble in times of calamity. If you have a pattern of stumbling in your life, rise again. That's the righteous thing to do. The righteous rise. Today's a good day to do that. We're going to respond now with a song of worship. Feel free to stand if you'd like. Feel free to stay seated. Feel free to come up here as an altar and lean in. But let's respond now with a song of our own. In Jesus' name.